Amen. Love being in church. Well, this morning, Pastor Richard and Lisa are away. They're spending some time together. They're celebrating their anniversary. So we just want to send our love to them. I don't know if they're watching, but if you are, we miss you. We love you. And so just keep them in prayer and just pray that God's protection is over them and their family. Um, and that God will just give them peace because God knows we need it now. They're the uh, lead pastors now, what they're going through uh, with what's happen happening in our nation, man, we need, they need God's prayers. And so let's just continue to hold them up in prayer. Amen? Are you guys ready for the word? All right. Let's just pray together. Just ask that God would come as we shift to the next part of our service where God just desires to speak with us. And he wants to... Um, I just really believe that his Holy Spirit has an agenda right now with what's happening in our nation. And we need to submit our minds, we need to submit our hearts, our emotions, to allow God to do what he needs to do in us, amen, so that we can go out and do what he desires for us to do where we work and where our families are, amen. And I need God's prayer, so let's just go to him in prayer. Father, we, again, we come to your throne, Lord, just asking and inviting your Holy Spirit to come and open up our hearts. Lord, we need an anointing on our hearts this morning to be able to perceive what you want to speak to this morning. I pray that our hearts would be open, our minds would be open. I pray that we would put aside our own agendas, we would put aside our own emotions so that we can hear from you. Holy Spirit, change our thinking. Align our thinking with you. Transform our thinking this morning by your word. So I entitled the message this morning, Serving Through Discomfort. How many of you love to be in discomfort? Shouldn't see any hands. If I did, I was going to have you come up and share. Um, the definition of inconvenient is this. It's causing difficulties, discomfort, troublesome, or problematic. How many of you in here enjoy being inconvenienced? Again, I, as I was preparing, I was like, I don't think I'll see hands. So there were no hands. Hopefully there's none at home, those tuning in through live stream. But I looked up a list of the top most inconveniences that we deal with uh, in our nation. And the first one, and, and you just nod your head if you've had this issue and this problem. When your shopping cart has that one rogue wheel. Anyone? I'll tell you, the stop and shop in Providence, I think every single cart, I think they do it on purpose, keep you out of the store. What about traffic on your way to work? How about traffic on your way home from work? That's even worse because you just want to be home. How about when there's a sound playing on your computer and you have a bunch of tabs open and you can't find where it's coming from? Anyone? What about when the strings on your hoodie are uneven and one keeps going inside the little hole? What about reheating a meal for ages but the center is still ice cold? Anyone? That was my lunch last week. I got the scars to prove it. The bowl was hot, but the middle was still cold. The ketchup juice from landing on your plate, but it still does. Anyone? What about trying to find the part of the sticky tape roll when you last left it? Anyone else? Tara and I are in the process of moving, and let me tell you, I'm done seeing tape in boxes. We get inconvenienced in life. We go through things in life that cause difficulties. We go through things in life that cause discomfort. We go through things in life that are troublesome and problematic. We're going to look into the word of God this morning to a time where Jesus 
went through something and still was able to serve the multitude. And if we this morning can learn and glean from the life of Jesus and what he went through because he decided to come down out of heaven to experience our emotions, to experience pain, and still fulfill what God has called us to do, then I believe we as a church, especially this month, if we can pray, we can begin to shift and change things in our nation. Amen? I found this article, and I just thought it was really interesting. Because of time, I won't have uh, enough to read all the points, but this person talked about five reasons why we uh, struggle with dealing with people. And the first one was this. So just listen to what he said, and I thought it was very interesting before we jump into the scripture. He says, number one, people are inconvenient. He says this, other human beings force us to abandon the comfort and security of thinking about only ourselves. Whether we are trying to make a left turn, going through security at the airport, or trying to get out of the grocery store to get home, there they are, people. At work, when people think differently or communicate differently, they make things harder for us. In our personal lives, when we selectively invite people out to dinner or intentionally skip answering specific phone calls, we are avoiding the inconvenient situation of having to get to know other people. In our relationships, we actually have to sacrifice things about ourselves for other people. Sacrificing is not fun. Why inconvenience is good and necessary, inconvenience drags us kicking and screaming out of our own isolation. It makes us frustrated and angry, and it reveals parts of ourselves that are typically buried deep down. No matter how much community service we do or how much we post on Facebook that we love all people, face it, we are generally prone to be selfish. Getting that annoyed feeling when someone in front of you pulls out 22 coupons at the grocery store is really just a symptom of your underlying selfishness, a sniffle that tells you that you have a cold and you might want to do something about it. He goes on to say, inconvenience forces us into encounters, into a space and time that we would otherwise never find ourselves in. But most importantly, it pulls us in most moments, like driving home from work when all we want to do is be home on our couch out of the dark hole of isolation and forces us to realize that without the construction worker delaying your drive home, well, you wouldn't have a road to drive on at all. We need inconvenience in our lives. The problem is, is we don't want to allow inconveniences to stop us with what God has called us to do. Amen? Could you guys open up with me? We're going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 14, and I'm going to read verses 13 through 21. It'll also be up on the screen, but I'll give you guys a second to look it up. And again, I encourage those who are watching on live stream to have your hard copy Bibles. Most of you are probably using your device, which some some of you have your Bibles on there. But open up a Bible and just follow along with us in your homes. Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 13. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore... He saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, 
and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. So the first thing that we have to realize about inconveniences in our lives and, and serving even in our discomfort is if we have to break away from that, Jesus did three things that are in verse 14. I'm going to say the three points, then we're going to go back and talk about them, then we're going to conclude and pray. Amen? So in verse 14, Jesus, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Three things that Jesus did through inconvenience. Jesus recognized their needs, Jesus had compassion on them, and Jesus ministered to them. So in verse 14, it says, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. Now, even before this, we see kind of a beginning of a context. And it says in verse 13, now, when Jesus heard this, so what did he hear? What just happened? How many of you know of a man named John the Baptist? John the Baptist was someone that Jesus was very close with. And Luke 1, verse 44, it says, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, so Mary came to Elizabeth, and Jesus was in her belly. How many of you have ever heard the heartbeat of a, a baby when they're in the womb, or you felt the baby kick, or it isn't such an amazing thing? It says that Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus, came to visit Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist. And in Luke, verse, uh, in chapter 1, verse 41, it says, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 44, it says, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. There was a connection even before Jesus was born and even before John the Baptist was born. There was a connection. Jesus entered the room in the womb. There was filled with the Holy Spirit. And John, even being a baby, felt the presence of something greater in the room. There was such a connection that Jesus had with John the Baptist. John the Baptist was called to prepare the way for the Lord. He baptized Jesus. And what happened? John the Baptist was murdered. That's what Jesus just heard. We don't have time to go into the context, but John the Baptist simply spoke truth to Herod. And guess what? Herod didn't like it. Herod divorced his wife and married his brother's wife unlawfully. And all John the Baptist did was speak the truth. And what happened? They literally, during a party, they sent for his head to be sent on a platter. They first put him in prison for speaking the truth. And then they called for his head to be put on a platter. How many of you know in the culture that we're standing in right now, we may not be beheaded, but there's something significant about when we speak truth, what people want to do is silence us. And that's what's happening. You speak truth into this generation now. You speak truth into our culture right now. People will seek ways to keep you silent. But that's another message. But Jesus, who was so connected to John, found out that he was killed. Jesus may have been God, but he had our emotions. I don't know about you, but have you gone through a time in your life where something tragic happened and you just wanted to get away? You wanted to find a place to curl up away from people, away from situations, but it seemed like you couldn't do that because you still have to go to work. You still have to tend to your children. There are moments in our lives where we will have inconvenient things happen in our lives, 
and it's okay to acknowledge it and say, I just need to get away. I need to get away from people. I need to get away from my children. There's a funny meme. I wish I put it in the background. It shows this little girl with her eyes kind of cocked and under it. It says, is that my mom trying to have a moment? How many of you mothers can attest to that? It's like whenever you try to have a moment, it's like kids have something in tune that switches and they come after you. There was a thing Tara and I were talking about. A parent said, uh, told her kids to go get another toy in the other room. The toy was in her pocket, but she just wanted to sit for five minutes and have her coffee while the kids searched for the toy that she had. We look for times to just get away. Jesus lost a close friend of his, someone who prepared the way. And it says in the scriptures that when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. It's so hard sometimes when we just want to be by ourselves. And that phone call comes in. That person knocks on your door. The workplace calls you and you have to do overtime. Jesus went to go by himself, but it says, but when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. It's so frustrating sometimes when you just want to be away and that person just shows up and you're like, you know it's not going to be a five-minute call. You know it's not going to be a five-minute visit and you just want to be by yourself. How do we serve through discomfort? How do we serve when things change around us and we just want to be by ourselves? We have to learn to recognize the needs in people. We can get angry at people. We can get angry at, at them taking our time. But if we can learn to have that eye to recognize the needs of people, it will change that perspective. And we can serve even in our discomfort. Amen? I used to work at uh, New Balance. One of my friends, Mike, owns uh, four of the stores. And when Tara and I moved here, he opened up a fourth store in Cranston. So that's where I worked. I had never really worn New Balance before. Um, I had tried running in the past, and I went about a half mile. I bought some cheapo running shoes off of the rack at Marshall's, and we'll never do that again um, because I never went running after that. And when I started working at New Balance, for me it was a job, but I had never worked retail before. And as I was going through the weeks and months of training and learning the product and, and realizing that New Balance really has a vision to meet people's needs, it changed my whole perspective. And then I actually bought the product, and don't worry, I'm not getting paid to do this, it's not a, a commercial, but I'm just sharing that when I worked there for as long as I did, God began to teach me things about people, and he began to teach me things about myself. And sometimes when you're tired and you have to go into work, and people ring that bell and come into the store, your first reaction is like, oh, great, I was just getting to that new level on my phone, on that game. And here people are coming into the business and inconveniencing my life right now. We sometimes think those thoughts. And how do we push past that and learn to serve even when we are inconveniences? We have to recognize the needs of people. And I realized in my own life when I bought the product and used it, it was like life-changing. I could actually go running. I could go work out. My back wasn't hurting. It changed a lot of things because I was learning about the product. And so when I learned that for myself, when people came in with pain, when people came in with suffering, we were able to meet their needs based off not just the product, but listening to what they were going through. And I realized that in that job, there was nothing more fulfilling than when someone came in with an issue and they walked out with a smile on their face because we fixed that need. 
And in our culture and in our generation, it can be very easy to get inconvenienced by people in situations. But Jesus, even though he lost a friend, he wanted to get away. He wanted to weep. He wanted to just cry and, and be by himself. These, this crowd saw that he was leaving, and they came around and met him as he got out of the boat. If I was Jesus and I saw the crowd, I'd be like, Peter, start rolling backwards. We're going back to the other side, and we'll keep going back and forth till these people get worn out. But when he got out, he saw the people. And it says in the scripture that he recognized the great crowd. We have to recognize the people in our lives who are suffering. Amen? We have to learn to serve through our emotions. We have to develop a sensitive ear to hear the Holy Spirit, even as we're going about our daily routines. Acts 3, verses 1 through 10. And again, with time, I'd like to read through it, but I'm not going to be able to. But John and Peter were going up to the temple. They were going to church. They were on their routine. We're going to pray. Pastor Maureen mentioned it. You drive around our city, you can't go on any intersection without seeing someone who's homeless. There are times if I have something, I'll give it to them. But honestly, there's times when I sit them there and they're staring at me with a sign, I get frustrated. But we have to learn how in our daily walk, recognize the needs that, are pe that people are going through. And there's some times where you might not have something to give to them of money or of monetary value. But Peter and John, it says when he's, they stopped to look at him, he put his hands up to get something because that his, that's his routine. Whenever anyone stopped and looked at him, he put his hand up, he would get money. But they said, we don't have any money. There's a lot of times where I've had to say to some people, even outside of Cumberland or wherever you go, and they're standing there, and I say, I don't have cash. I don't have anything to give to you. But then we walk by and think, well, that's the, all I have to give to them. That's not all you have to give to them. And it says they looked down and they prayed. They recognized that he had a physical need, and they reached down, they prayed, and it says they reached their hand up, and now this man had been sitting all his life. He had no muscles, he had no, and instantly the man jumped up. We need to have that same spirit and that same faith. There might be times, where you, and this has happened to me, where I've, I've wanted to pray, and no, I don't want prayer. They just wanted money. That's okay. But we still have to develop this way to when we get inconvenienced, to push past our emotions and serve through our discomfort. Amen? Number two, in verse 14. So Jesus recognized the crowd, but then it says he had compassion on them. So the second point is Jesus had compassion on them. It's one thing to see someone in need. It's another thing to let it hit your heart. And it forces you to do something. Compassion literally means this in the text. It says to be moved as to one's bowels. Hence to be moved with compassion. For the bowels were thought to be the seat of love and pity. So in the Bible days when it, that term was used to be moved as to one's bowels. The bowels were thought to be the seat of love and pity. There are many times where I've not been Christ, whether it was Home Depot last week and an old guy pulled out his checkbook. And I stood there like, you got to be kidding me. Who writes checks anymore? That's what I'm thinking is this guy's writing checks. He needs to just buy it at home, let it be delivered, and stop taking up my day. The thoughts that go through our heads sometimes. When I moved to Providence and realized the traffic, there's traffic where I came from in Western Mass, but Providence it's not just the traffic, it's the drivers. That's something that I'm still allowing the Lord to heal in my own heart. 
people cut in front of you. It's like I'll be listening to the um, uh, Christian music, and then next thing I'm yelling in my car at people who cut me off or people who aren't using your blinkers. There's times where people in front of me, they'll throw something out of the window. Littering is a big, big pet peeve of mine. There's times where Tara and I have been driving and someone would throw a bottle out and I almost got out of the car and threw it back in the car. Like that's what I wanted to do. And Tara knows when I get a certain way and she just puts her hand on me. Don't do it. We get frustrated with things in our lives. But we have to learn how when we see people where they are to develop that compassion for them. Because we can see the homeless. We can see what's going on in people's lives. But it's another thing to have compassion. Because when you have compassion, it compels you to actually do something about it. How do you develop compassion for people? Very simply, you spend time with them. In this text, the crowd came over. And you know what it said? In verse 15, five words. Now, when, it was evening. When it was evening. Jesus spent the entire day, even though he was suffering the loss of a friend and wanted to be by himself, he did not allow his emotions or his inconveniences to stop him from ministering to the people. He could have said from the boat, you're all healed, row to the other side. He could have, he could have done that. He had the power and the authority. But he spent all day with them because they needed a savior. They needed love. They needed compassion. We all have that little thing we do on the phone when we're talking to someone where we're trying to end the conversation. Uh-huh. Yep. All right. We crinkle candy wrappers. Sorry, I'm going through a tunnel. I'm losing reception. I'll call you back. We all have things that we do to cut conversations short. I do it. We all do it. But what I love about Jesus is even at a time where he just wanted to weep and be by himself, he poured himself out to a crowd of thousands because he knew and he recognized and he allowed the compassion in his heart to do something about it. Amen? You know, I don't mean to put Pastor Maureen on the spot, but I've been in a lot of churches. I've served in a lot of different ministries, but I have never met someone who was more compassion for the lost than Pastor Maureen. The team that she puts together, even if it's not a team, thank God, 15 people showed up for Hope Day, 15 people showed up on Wednesday, but there's time where it's just her and a couple others. And they still faithfully serve. Through heartache, through stress, we have to develop a heart for the lost church, especially in these times. We can become angry by looking at the culture and what's happening, or we can put on the mind of Christ and recognize the needs that people have and develop compassion for what they're going through. Amen? The outreach that we did last week in the park, I had stuff to do in the office. And even when we're at the outreach, it's like I'm thinking of stuff that needs to get done. And when we live in that mindset, sometimes even when we're with people, it's almost like we're glazed over. Like we, we aren't really ministering. There was a time where I had to just stop and get, get, get out of myself. I had to tell myself, get over it. And when I did that, the Holy Spirit just, it's like when you look at people, they know that they have your full attention. And God ministers in that. We have to do that every day, church. It's not an easy thing. We, it's not, I'm not saying after this message, oh, you've got to go out and, and reach the world. You know, just, just start with the, the, the person who cut in front of you in the parking lot. Start with the little things and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. 
Some people have a compassion for the lost, but only, but it only goes as far as how much it inconveniences them. And I struggle with that and still do. It still blows my mind that people don't give to the church. The biggest statistic that blows my mind is 4% of church people tithe. Like, if we can get that number just up to 50%, do you realize what the church can do in this world? It, 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 we can debate, oh, does it have to be 10%? It doesn't matter. We can debate that to a blue in the face. It's just about giving, recognizing that God has given us 100% of everything that we've had. And some people think, oh, well, I'm not giving, but I'm doing pretty good. Good for you. I'm going to move over here and wait until something does happen. But God still loves us so much that he pours everything into us. He doesn't need our finances. He doesn't need our time. But when we give, it's just recognizing and saying, God, here's a little bit back of everything that you have given me. I've been the product of another, in another church where the church had to sit me down and the council had to be in tears because people weren't, tith- the tithe stopped coming in. A lot of the tithes stopped, so they had to cut my entire pay. They said, we're not going to be able to pay you. And that's okay because God still had my back. He opened up a job like that next month. And we were still able to serve. We go through inconveniences in our life, but we don't realize that God gives us the resources to expand his kingdom, not just by financially giving, but allowing ourselves to be made available for people. Amen? And the last point is simply this, in verse 14. And healed their sick. He recognized the crowd. He had compassion for the crowd. When you recognize someone's needs and then you allow compassion to come into your heart, then you're able to minister to them. And by ministering, I don't mean standing up here behind a pulpit. Ministering can be on the streets and just praying for somebody. One sentence, two sentences, acknowledging that you see them where they are and you have no idea what that can do to change someone's life. You know, I'm I'm honored to have my mom here this morning again. You know, we want to talk about inconvenience. We joke about it a lot of the times. I tell her, how the heck did you adopt me? Because I know I've been an inconvenience for 33 years. And we joke about it. And I say, you had no idea what you got into when you adopted me, did you? We just smile and we laugh. And the pastor wasn't always laughing, but she was someone who was a nurse. She loved to travel the world. But you know what? When you adopt eight kids, you don't get to travel the world. You actually, you do get to travel. You travel to Costco's. You travel to the hospital, to the ER, sometimes the police station. You get to travel. It's just not the way you thought it was. But I look back at her life and I realize because she listened to what God was speaking to her heart, she put aside the things that she wanted to do and did what God put on her heart. And yes, there were inconveniences in her lives, but I am such a great blessing to her. But in all seriousness, when we recognize people's needs, when we have compassion on them, sometimes you may think, I don't know what I have to offer to the world. I don't know what I have to offer to people, to that person at the storefront, to the person on the street corner, or to my, pers- my, my coworker who's struggling at work. I don't know. I didn't go to Bible school. I didn't get a, a degree. I don't. God will equip you when you are filled with his spirit. That's the whole point of being filled with the spirit. Amen? 
When you are filled with the Spirit, he equips you for that moment. And we have to learn to live in that. Hope Day was a great testimony. If you go on our Facebook, you'll see the pictures of people serving in the rain. These are people from our church who it's their day off, it's their family day, who chose to go in the rain to serve. I know since I've moved to Rhode Island, Rhode Islanders have this 15-minute like radius. Anything beyond that is like a day trip. When I started working at Cranston, I would tell my customers, oh, yeah, my wife and I, we go out to Bristol to her family. They own a, a sandwich shop. We'll go out to their lunch. You go all the way to Bristol for lunch? I'm looking at them like, it's like 20 minutes. We had a, a store that was next to us that was empty. A woman moved up from Greenwich to put her store there to try and spread her customer base. She had to close and move back because her customers refused to drive the extra 15 minutes. That's okay. I had to learn that. Like, okay, that's the way you... But we can't allow time, circumstances, and things to inconvenience us when God puts his finger on something in our heart. Amen? And I close with this. In verses 19 through 21, Jesus says, Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to who? Who did he give them to? He gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave them to what? The crowds. As we go out, as we walk in what God has called us to walk in, it's very easy for us to do jobs, right? I can do this because I know it's going to get done. I know it's going to get done right. We have to learn to not only allow ourselves to recognize other people's needs, to have compassion on them, to minister them, we have to make disciples. There has to be multiplication in our lives. That's the whole point of this miracle. Jesus took five and multiplied it for thousands. Think about that. That's like taking a Happy Meal and feeding people sitting in the Dunkin' Donuts Center. That it, 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 it's mind-boggling. It's not just about us. We have to learn how to make disciples. Jesus could have handed the food out himself. He supernaturally made food for thousands out of five loaves and two fish. He could have done it himself and said, I can get this done and we can get on to the next thing. But it said that he looked up, he broke it, he blessed, and he handed it to his disciples. His disciples handed it to the crowds. And then it goes on to say in verse 20, and they all ate and were dissatisfied. When we make disciples, we begin to multiply what God wants to do. And instead of having a, 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 a community in a city that is at war and at, at odds with each other, fighting over this and fighting over that, we begin to multiply Christ in our city. And that's how we change a nation. Amen? And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. You know what? When God meets your need, he doesn't just meet the specific need and stop right there. He goes above and beyond. He goes above and beyond. I can sit here and think where I would be if I wasn't adopted and raised in the church and had godly people to look up to. I can sit here for hours and dwell on where I could be. But when I look to God and his grace in my life and his faithfulness, he has gone above and beyond in my life. And I think if we can all sit here for a second and dwell on what God has done in your life, yes, we may be going through things right now, but we are blessed above and beyond. Can you stand with me as we pray?
Father, we come before your presence this morning. We ask that you would, every single person in this room this morning, every person tuning in on live stream, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would help us recognize the needs in other people's lives. Father, we ask that you would give us that compassion that you had when you saw the crowds. Not just to see their needs and walk by. Not just to see their needs and fast forward through a quick high and a bye. But Lord, to sit and spend time with people to develop compassion in our hearts. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you equip us to minister to those who are in need. Lord, we don't want to just give someone money and walk off. Lord, we want to reach down and pick people up who are sick and have been sick their entire lives. And we want to walk with them in freedom into church and see a city changed by miracles. Holy Spirit, equip us this morning. We want to see the miraculous in our church. We want to see people in our community getting healed. We want to see it spreading like wildfire. God, let there be multiplication in our lives and in this church. Not just with money, God, but with people and with souls. Help us to empty hell and populate heaven in all that we do. I pray for an anointing on every person in this room, on every person watching on live stream, that we would have the mind of Christ and learn how to serve in our discomfort. We praise you for all that you are, all that you have done. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. Again, you can leave your offerings on your way out. We'll see you guys Wednesday on live stream. We love you. And keep in touch with one another. God bless.